the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 10th, 2011. And today we're going to be continuing the study on the hidden Luciferians in uh, society, culture, politics, and academia, and and in the Christian community. Uh, We're going to be focusing more today on the uh, continuing with the CCM, the Christian Contemporary Music Movement. And uh, this will most likely be parts 9 through 11. It's kind of hard for me to say that for sure because I don't exactly know how long it's going to take me. There may be a 12th part, I don't know. I've got 27... Well, essentially 26 pages to go through today, and the PDF for today's study, as always, will be up uh, in association with the July 10th, 2011 teaching, if you want to follow along with that, or for your documentation of what we're talking about. The uh, first thing we're going to talk about today, and we're going to be covering a lot of Bible as well, that's going to be kind of intermingled within the study, I always try to make the Word of God the focus here, not just merely rehashing current events or different things about different people, but we want to always go back to the Word of God and point people to the Word of God uh, whenever possible. So the first thing that we're going to be talking about, uh, some of you are aware that the videos that I had talked about for a long time uh, regarding the, the, the titles are the Toronto Blessing Unmasked and the False Anointing. Uh, they've actually been put online the listener that I had sent my only copy of these VHS tapes to received them, and um, praise the Lord, he, he got them online. Now, I'm not saying they're the best quality on the planet. They're copies of copies, and then he had to find some way to upload them onto YouTube. So, uh, unfortunately, the um, the quality is, is um, a little bit lacking. It's not going to be what you're probably used to, but... It's the best that, that we have available. Now, I do have another copy of a part of these that I just received by mail from an actual um, listener. And um, it's part of it. It's not the whole thing, but I believe they're going to be a higher quality. And I'm going to see about actually trying to get those online. And um, kind of in the process of collecting addresses of people to send them to if they're interested, but only if they're interested in actually reposting them online. My fear is that when these videos become available, typically what happens is they're targeted pretty quickly, and they get taken down, and particularly if YouTube has anything to do with it as well. Uh, The people that these videos are exposing, like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagen and uh, those types of people, they have a pretty deep pockets, and uh, they have, I really believe they've got most likely people scouring the internet to make sure information like this isn't widely available, and um, I believe that's why they were taken, this whole video series was was, uh, stopped being sold after a certain point of time, because these people got to them, and uh, they had to cease production. So I got an email from a listener regarding the ones that are already online. Now, I'm giving you the links within this PDF to these videos. You can go watch them for yourself. But, there's a big warning I have to post prior to you watching these. Uh, And this email is going to kind of detail why 
I have to put out this warning. Not that they're bad, it's just that you need to have, there needs to be spiritual preparation before watching them. Uh, the listener writes, uh, Hi Dr. Scott, I wanted to share something with you that happened to me after I watched the Toronto Blessing Unmasked documentary from your recent update. I know you had mentioned this documentary a bunch of times in the past, and I always wanted to watch it for myself. I was glad to see that you were able to find a link to it. Out of the 21 parts, and again, this is the this is my listener that actually got the videos that I sent him, and he, and he must have heard me in a previous study say something regarding that, and he he uh, he got them online very quickly. Uh, so thank God for that. Uh, out of the 21 parts parts of the video I watched about four or five. Now they're extremely long. It's it's tons and tons and tons of documentation, of video documentation. So it's not something you're just gonna sit down and watch in a half hour. Uh, and usually the reaction for most people is was myself. I think I ended up watching them two times because I watched them once and then I had a group of other Christians that were in the Pentecostal church I was at watch them. And so I ended up watching it a second time and narrating it. But I really had no desire after that point to watch them really ever again. I was fully uh, convinced at that point after it was, was, I think, 21 hours of footage. Um, Out of the 21 parts I watched about four or five, it was late at night and I began to feel a little uneasy. Mainly from the speaking in tongues. There's a lot of demonic tongue speaking in this. And... um, Again, this is why I have seen testimonials from witches, from more than one, that would say that the Pentecostal churches are charismatic or the easiest to infiltrate because the people that are in there, number one, they're out of order in the way that tongues are spoken. Okay, everybody's, a lot of times, everybody's speaking in tongues. And there, there's, sometimes there's no interpretation whatsoever. And... That's out of order from the way the Bible says to do this in Corinthians. One person speaks and I believe two or three to interpret. Um, it's kind of like the opposite. It's everybody speaking and then many times there's no interpretation. So there's a lot of demonic opportunity there in order uh, in regard to a false tongues or a demonic tongue. And, and I've, I've read many a story where people have went like overseas and they started speaking in tongues and the people that were overseas would understand it in their language and they would turn to the person and say, why are you cursing Jesus Christ in our language? So it's something you got to really be careful about uh, regarding that. So going further, it says, uh, uh, let's see here. It was late at night and I began to feel a little uneasy, mainly from the speaking in tongues. It, it It was a bug out for sure. I guess that means she was getting kind of creeped out over it. Since it was so late when I watched it, I went to bed afterward. Not not that same night, but the following night, I had this terrible dream. It was so vivid, it felt so real, as if I were awake. In the dream, I was in the house I grew up in, and I felt this demonic presence all around me. I tried to close the doors. I couldn't because they'd be forced open by an uneasy and angry entity. This bugged me out in the dream, but not as much as what followed. In the dream, I knew there were demonic presences. And the next thing you know, I physically felt something trying to enter into my body. But it was having trouble doing so. The physical feeling of this thing trying to enter into me was so real, it felt like a warm wind. 
or like jumping into warm water. It was terrifying. I felt it trying to take over my mind, trying to get me to blaspheme Christ. Despite it trying its best, I knew I had the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, and I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ and rebuked it, and it fled from me. Now, praise the Lord Jesus Christ there. Uh, Then she goes on to say, it was no match for the Lord. Still dreaming, I was so very angry at this entity that I said, oh yeah, well how about I get my Bible and start reading the book of Revelation to you out loud. You're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. So I opened my Bible and I started reading and this thing came back with force and tried to tear my Bible apart but was unable. I kept invoking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and this entity kept being overpowered. Uh, Praise God for sure. Then it started possessing people around me. So, in other words, because it couldn't get to her, it was going to go after the people around her that it could get to. Uh, Going further, she says, um, one of which was my mother, and it was vicious. It was twisting and distorting their faces, and again, I was rebuking it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of them, and they'd be bound up and cast away, and I was screaming at these things for what felt like hours until they came out of these people. I can't express to you how real this felt, and at first I was terrified, but calling on Jesus gave me strength. When I woke up in the morning, I sat and thought about the dream, but went on with my day. Later that evening, my friend called me because I had sent him the link with the, with the documentary for him to watch. This is the Toronto Blessing, Unmasked, I believe. He told me he was watching it, and he felt like he was being spiritually attacked. So much so that he had to turn it off immediately and go read his Bible for comfort. When he said that, it made me remember my dream And I didn't put two and two together that I had this dream after watching the documentary. So now we've got two people that have just watched this that have had pretty severe demonic attacks after that, or or close to it, if, if nothing else. I say all this to say this, that the devil is really angry that this information is getting out and is being watched. See, that's that's the crux of the matter. Right there, what she just said. The devil is angry. Um about this information getting out and being watched. Also, when they're speaking in tongues, they could be sending out curses to those who were present and those listening, and if anyone is going to watch it, please, please, please pray for protection beforehand. Now, I said all that to say this, to to say that, because that's key and very essential. Prior to watching these things, you really need to be, um, pray, uh, if you think you need to fast, uh, if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper, whatever you need to do to get as right with God as possible prior to watching these things, I would recommend you do it. Uh, this is the battle, the true battle, in which we're really engaged. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, remember? But against these principalities and, and these types of things, these demonic entities is where our true battle is. So, when you're watching these videos, you're actually kind of watching this true battlefield. And these things are crying out, or essentially speaking, through these ministers or through people in the crowds, and they're not holy things. They're evil things, essentially. But, again, if the church is totally unaware of it, then they don't even know to pray about it. Then they're then they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Most people that are in the Pentecostal or Charismatic movements, just are not aware of this stuff going on. And I I know because I was there, been there, done it, big time, and um, have a lot of friends that are are, um, Pentecostal Charismatic. And so, 
they're just not fully aware of what's going on a lot of the times. And um, these are the tapes that kind of got my eyes open to that whole scenario. Once I realized the King James Bible was the Word of God, that seemed to be the first thing that opened my eyes to what was going on in particularly the charismatic church I was in. Not to say it's not a lot of apostasy isn't going on in, in tons of other denominations, but from where I was at at that specific time, that's what got my eyes open, uh, realizing the King James Bible was the Word of God. And then at that point I got my eyes open to a lot of other things, and then I, I got these tapes. It was kind of like a progression that God was taking me through. So she's saying, please, please, please pray before for protection beforehand. And we're going to get into some of the specific things you can do uh, which was kind of, this letter is kind of a springboard for me to get into those things. Normally, and then she goes on to say, normally I do, but I realize that stupidly I did not before watching. I find it weird that both of us were spiritually attacked after watching and just wanted to send out a little warning or word of advice for anyone interested in watching this. It's great information, uh, but we need to always put on the armor of God and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for, for protection against this. Anyway, thanks for your hard work in the Lord. I always look forward to your teachings and well-placed levity. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much. Uh, then I responded back to her and confirmed. And what I did, I emailed the man that put the videos up, David, on YouTube. Or actually, I had his email address. Well, guess what? Imagine this. I emailed him and said, we've got to get some kind of disclaimer, some kind of warning put up regarding at the very top of the videos that you do not want to watch these unless you prayed up and in right with God, you know what I mean, that type of thing. And every time I sent him an email, to an email address I've never had any problems to, it came back to me like almost instantaneously. I sent the email three separate times, checked the email address, had no problem emailing anyone else but him. Imagine that. For all I know, he hasn't even got the email yet. I, I had to go up on YouTube and send it to him via YouTube, which I normally never do, and I don't even check my YouTube account. In fact, I had like hundreds of emails in there I hadn't checked, because um, I just don't go up on that very much. I have my avian flu, um, pandemic flu, colloidal silver videos I made, actually up, PowerPoint presentations I made up on YouTube, if you ever want to go view them. Um, just key in like Dr. Scott Johnson, uh, Avion Flu, or Colloidal Silver, whatever you want to watch. I've got like three different video series up there. But that's all I've got. And I just don't have time. I mean, that was so time consuming to make those. And I just don't have time to go up there and do that type of stuff anymore. At the time, I did. But I emailed him, and I don't know if he got the warning. So I really felt like I really needed to post a warning at the start of this study. Uh, because it's very important that this is done prior to watching them. Now, next email was from a listener named Paul. Um, and again, um, he writes to me. I, I told him about this scenario, okay, because he's, he's very familiar with these videos. And he wrote, responded back to me. He said, I think that person's recommendation is very important too. I have a few folders on my computer on my computer with videos explaining the occult. And some of those videos have footage showing occult forces manifesting. I named the folder Pray Before Watching. So this is like further evidence of like, yeah, you definitely want to pray before watching. 
Uh, he, he And it was in all capital letters, so I never forget to pray about it before I would even think about watching it, essentially. I have one video series which has now been pulled off the internet showing shamans creating fire with their bare hands, Ouija boards moving on their own, a devil manifesting physically in a center of African witchcraft ceremony, some kids listening to static on a radio when all of a sudden a demonic voice comes through very clearly, a person calling in an old-time Christian radio station fully possessed by devils asking for help, and much, much more. I would only play it again for someone else after much prayer, if the Lord impressed upon my spirit to do so. Uh, anyway, stupid me didn't pray before I watched it, and um, and I've never watched it again, and I had to call a brother in Christ at 2 a.m. to pray with me for a long time, as I was so troubled at what I'd seen. After much prayer, I got my peace back, but I learned a very important spiritual lesson that night, always pray. I, I think this is kind of like, if anything, it's preparation for Truly confronting. It's one thing to watch it. It's another thing to go out there and truly confront it. Which is really where the rubber meets the road. Um, watching it's one thing. You know. But being there and confronting this type of evil is something that I believe we're all going to be called upon to do. As part of the body of Christ. Uh, we're not... We're told to stand against the wiles that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How do you do that? To put on the full armor of God. Obviously, through the Lord Jesus Christ as a born-again Christian. Um, that's why we're supposed to put on the full armor of God. That's another thing that we'll, we'll talk about. Because I'm going to get into some specifics we can do. Uh, so he goes on to say, Also, I have an iPod sitting in an iPod dock speaker system beside my bed, which runs the King James Bible audiobook, which is one of my recommendations. Now, one night after much Bible study, I woke up, now remember, it was after much Bible study. <laughs> I woke up and needed to go to the bathroom in the very early hours of the morning. As I walked to the bathroom, the iPod turned on and the display lit up the whole room. Then it played very loudly, Paul, thou art beside thyself. M much learning doth make thee mad. End of quote. Now remember, his name's Paul. <laughs> and that's a Bible verse out of the Bible. <laughs> Then he goes on to say, this is only half, though, of Acts 26-24. Then it promptly turned off. It said this one thing in the middle of the night, lit up his whole room, said this one half of a verse, and then turned off. After he had been studying the whole night. And it said, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. <laughs> See, to me, that all that would just fire me up, and I'm sure that's all it did to him, too. But um, what ended up happening, it... it turned off and the room was once again once again pitch black. I stood there in stunned silence for a second not quite believing what had just happened, especially since my name is Paul. <laughs> I then reply back to this thing just as loud, no I'm not the Lord rebuke you. In other words, no I'm not mad. My much learning is not going to make me mad. In other words, that word mad doesn't mean angry, it means crazy. In that context in the King James Bible, that's how that what that word means. So, and then he smiled and thanked the Lord for his protection. He went back to bed and slept like a baby. The next day I opened the scriptures to see the next verse in this passage, which is, But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. End of quote. See, that's what the devil always likes to do, is misquote. When the devil came to Jesus Christ in the wilderness and tempted him, he always misquoted the Bible. It was real close, 
But he was always misquoting the Bible. He'd always twist the words of God. When, when the serpent went to Eve in the Garden of Eden, you know, it was the same garbage. He's misquoting things. You know, it's very close, but he's misquoting. And this is why it's so important what Bible you're reading, because the NIV, for instance, has over 64,000 less words than the KJV. They're removing whole verses, skipping whole verses in some instances, and changing, and, and it's just all these really big-time changes. See, in order for them to copyright Bibles, which the KJV, outside of England, is the only one that is not copyrighted, so you can copy it all you want and you won't get in trouble, but all these other Bible versions, like the NIV and the, and the ESV and the American Standard and all these other literal hundreds of versions, they have to have a certain amount of changes in each version in order to make a new Bible so they can make more money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. So they want to come out with a new Bible version. They've got to change a certain percentage of the words of the, uh, in, in order to actually have a copywritten version that they can release. There has to be a certain number of changes. So they have to do these things. They have to change the word of God. But the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, are thy words settled in heaven. They're settled. They're not changing. They're not like, well, this week it's this, and this week it's that. No, 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 no. Forever, O Lord, thy words are settled in heaven. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. So, um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, you could go on and on and on. So the word of God is settled and it's fixed. It's not this changing thing that happens. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that in. So the, the full verse is Paul, this is Festus talking to Paul. Paul, thou art beside thyself, much, much learning doth make thee mad. Uh, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. <laughs> but see, the devil conveniently left out that part <laughs> when... when he turned the iPod thing on. Um, and then so Paul says, I chuckled and thanked the Lord Jesus Christ again with a huge smile on my face. Calling uh, upon the name of the Lord is a powerful thing, brother. Amen to that. Amen to that. Now, just so you know, um, I posted my testimony and supernatural experiences, the teaching I've done, which very much relates to this subject. If you want to see some of the things I've went through and that the Lord's taken me through, not to glorify myself, but to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Click on this this thing. It's going to be on about page four of this twenty-seven page study. Uh, if, you know, it'll kind of show you some of the things I've been through, and the Lord's got me through. And then I have another teaching I did there called "Biblically Exposing and Fighting New Age Witchcraft," which kind of relates to this subject as well. Uh, I've done a lot of teachings on witchcraft. All you have to do is go up to contendingfortruth.com, key in witchcraft in the search bar, and the um, Dan has recon my listener Dan has reconfigured the search bar so that it's just nailing the searches now. I mean, it's so much better than it was. I, I praise the Lord for that. Uh, I actually he sent me these uh, videos that he talked about here, and I watched the first one and. I'll, I tell you, I wouldn't, <laughs> there's almost no way I'd send these out, because they are evil. It's one thing to go and watch a thing about, 
let's say the charismatic church in, in, in particular, like a lot of these big time money hungry ministers who I believe are Satanists. I don't believe they're just innocent. And I think when you get done watching that series, if you so choose to watch it, you'll probably be convinced as well. These guys are Satanists. They're not, they're not just deceived. They're not just greedy. They're evil. They are Luciferians. And again, that's why I believe what we're talking about now goes along with the theme of this subject, hidden Luciferians within the Christian culture. I mean, you know, if you were Satan and you were trying to preposition your troops to do the maximum amount of damage to the Christian uh, community, where would you do it? I mean, you would do it at the top of the food chain, essentially. And these guys are at the top of these ministries. Um, anyway, I watched, uh, I think I watched the first part. And I've seen a lot of those clips before, but when you have them one after another, after another, after another, it is some really heavy-duty stuff. First thing I start doing is quoting scripture. I get mad. I just get righteous and indignant. I just want to start rebuking them. I want to, you know, I just, I don't know. I just want to go to war when I see that. Not because I think I'm so big and bad, but I've seen the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, just, just calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ in those types of situations. And it works every time. He's never failed me. And he's not going to. But you have to have the faith to believe you can go into these battles. Because we're going to, let's face it, you can either slink away from this type of information and say, well, you know, that's 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 maybe for that guy, but it's not for me. I'm serious. I really think we're coming to a place, place in time. Uh, things are so wicked and so evil. I can't keep up with the current events anymore. There's no way. I, I mean, it's too overwhelming. And... You get to a point where you, you realize that that we're going to be literally confronting things of this nature probably very, very shortly. And uh, you want to just make sure you're prepared. You, you really don't want the first time this to be happening because you're forced into something and because you're going kicking and screaming. I think God would want you willingly wanting to go into this war to be a good soldier, to willingly go into it, to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, send me, Lord. I believe that that was like in um, Ezekiel, Isaiah. Anyway, that's the type of attitude I think the Lord would prefer to see. I mean, he doesn't want you sitting there like a little baby kicking and screaming saying, Oh, not me, I'm so scared of all this stuff. <laughs> He's not, that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So... Uh, and I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. Big and Bad and I'm like ready to conquer the world or whatever. I'm just saying that I've seen the Lord, uh, what the Lord can do in these situations. And as long as you keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and his name being glorified and not your own name being glorified, what this will actually do is humble you. You'll actually become more humbled. You, you, you shouldn't be puffed up with pride. It shouldn't be the effect that it has on you. If it does, there's something wrong. Okay, you want to you want to um, you want to always maintain humility because if you get puffed up with pride, then you're gonna then you're gonna get your clock cleaned by one of these demonic entities or fallen angelic entities. Because uh, God doesn't share His glory with anyone, and I don't want His glory. I want His name to be glorified. I want to see people get saved and get their eyes open. 
to what the truth is. That's what this ministry is about. So, going further, I give you the links here. Having said all that, I give you the links here to the Toronto Blessing and Mast. Uh, I'll just read you the, the description. This series deals with a very serious allegation made by a Christian brother in Australia. He has uncovered evidence that Kenneth Copeland, Rodney Howard Brown, and many other famous preachers are actually Satanists posing as pastors. I've got some inside information about this. He stopped producing these tapes. And I think I can say this safely. He stopped producing these tapes. And when he stopped producing them, it was when he had taken these tapes to a certain faction of the government, let's say, in Australia, to authenticate that these were actually real, and what he thought he was hearing was actually real. All the hail Satan and stuff like that that he was hearing on the tapes that you'll hear. And this governmental faction in Australia said, yes, it's, it's real, but we better never ever catch you selling these ever again. And he stopped. Whatever they said to him really, really scared him, evidently. And that was when these stopped being produced. I don't think I should say anything more than that. But uh, this, uh, the man that put these out has uncovered evidence that Kenneth Copeland, Roddy Howard Brown, and many other famous preachers are actually Satanists posing as pastors. This evidence comes straight from the lips of these men themselves, as by closely analyzing their tongues, they can be heard calling upon and praising Satan. Shouldn't surprise us. Why should it surprise us? The Bible says that Satan can be transformed into an angel of light. It's no marvel that his ministers be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They're not real ministers of righteousness. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. But they appear as ministers of righteousness. This is something we should expect. Not something that should even shock us. But we should expect it. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 1 Timothy 4.1 So, we should expect it. We're in the latter times. They're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It shouldn't be a big surprise. So, going further, it says, I have heard and seen most of videotape A and can verify that the report is true. This is my listener that put this up. The way they praise Satan in front of crowds is by mixing the praise into their tongues. As unbelievable as this may sound to many, it's only by viewing these videos that you can make an accurate judgment. In time, I will convert many of the quotes mentioned below into wave files so you can hear them for yourselves. Please be patient. Yeah, that's, that'd take a long time, considering how much of the footage there is. And then another one is called The False Anointing. Pastor Joseph Chambers does a biblical analysis of the charismatic movement to see if it aligns with scripture. Now, he's a Pentecostal guy, I'm pretty sure. So, he's actually doing an analysis of the charismatic movement to see if it aligns with scripture. This analysis is an expose of the Toronto Pensacola uh, blessing. So, the links are there. You've, you've got my warning. 
And here's some things, proactive things that you can do, not just regarding these tapes, but just in general. You've heard me mention this this uh, document before. I'm just going to kind of run through it. I'm not going to... We could do detailed studies on each point here, and, and we just don't have time today to do all that. But uh, it will be available. It's in this PDF, and it's biblical proactive actions that can make a difference when dealing with evil entities, for the better, obviously. Number one, get a King James Bible CD or MP3 or whatever and play it 24-7 wherever you are in some part of the house. If you are, if you don't think there's a difference in versions, please go see and I give you a couple links regarding the King James. You don't want to play an NIV in your house. That's not something, it's not going to have the same effect at all. I know this might not always be feasible, but in your house is the most crucial area. These evil entities cannot stand the word of God. From what I have heard, they particularly do not like the book of Revelation, most likely because it reminds them of where they're going to end up, which is the lake of fire. You know, they don't want to hear that. The Lord said, I have exalted my word above my name. So the word of God is a powerful weapon. Jesus himself would only quote scripture to deal with Satan when dealing with him, and it worked. I have done this for years and can attest to its effectiveness. You can even leave it plain at a low level, but the bad guys will know it is there. Bad guys meaning the, the evil entities. Number two <clears throat> brings me to my next point. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, so, I would advise everyone to memorize and repeat this portion of scripture daily. Uh, Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What would happen if you didn't put on the full armor of God? Well, then you may not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I mean, you can reverse the verse, in other words. It says you do this that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Which is actually what you're going to be seeing manifesting in a, in a certain way when you watch these videos. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So this talks a lot about standing. Standing, not turning and running away from the enemy. The, the armor that's mentioned here is all basically, other than the helmet of salvation, pretty sure all of it's on the front of you. I mean, I'm talking like if you take a literal look at this. Well, if you turn and run, your back is, is not, there's no armor on your back. That's why you stand against these things. You don't turn tail and run. Uh-uh. That's not what we're called to do. That's that's not what we're called to do. Um, that you may that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, and again, the sword is, uh, you quote the Bible, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. When Jesus comes back, you know, at the battle of Armageddon, essentially, with the saints, 
He's got a sword that comes out of his mouth. That is, that is essentially represent, representative of the word of God. And that's how he's going to annihilate the armies at Armageddon. So, that's an example for us to look at. Uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Uh, Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, again, implying protection, the Lord will give grace and glory, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. John 10.10, The thief come not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Uh, here's another little thing I, I put in here uh, that actually added this in. If you've got one of my old Word documents on dealing with evil entities, this is an updated one. I updated it in the last day. I added some more stuff to it. Not to say it's exhaustive, not to say there's not a lot of other things you could probably do, uh, but uh, I've also, I also believe that partaking of the Lord's Supper is a big is a a uh, big factor as well. Because from what I can see from all the early church writings, when they came together as Christians, they that was one of the main things they did when they met, when they had church. They partook of the Lord's Supper. And if you want to know the details regarding the Lord's Supper, just go to 1 Corinthians 11, and essentially from really verse 17 to the end of the chapter, 34, you get a good description of the Lord's Supper. Uh, that also, I, I really believe, can make a really big difference uh, regarding spiritual preparation, uh, regarding if you're going, particularly if you know you're going to be going into some type of battle. So, Here's some more verses. Psalm 91, 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Now Psalm 91 is a whole chapter that you really could look at, like a faith-building type of chapter. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So we're walking in the flesh, but we, our war is not really in the flesh at all. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning like, like if a, a soldier goes and he takes an, uh, a, a grenade launcher into battle or something. Okay, that's a carnal type of weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These are like evil, demonic, fallen angelic type of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Uh, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So some people could say, oh, the, the, we're, we're not supposed to do these things as Christians. We're just supposed to, you know, whatever, whatever they might say. They don't, want, they, don't, they don't like anything that's militant. There's a lot of militant verses in the Bible, and we're quoting some of them right now. Well, 
it was so important, that was 1 John 3, 8, what I just said. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. This is why Jesus Christ came to the earth. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. So it really is an important thing. And if we're supposed to be Christians, meaning, meaning a follower of Christ, if that was his main goal, that should be our main goal, essentially. I mean, obviously, soul winning and these types of things. But when you soul win, you are destroying the works of the devil. That person was on their way to hell. And let's say the Lord uses you to, to lead a person to the Lord. Well, you have just destroyed works of the devil. You have just thwarted his attempts to get that person in hell. And maybe the devil was going to use that person to take many other people to hell. So, think about it that way. If, if um, To kind of get a broader perspective. Luke 10.17 says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, now These are the seventy that Jesus Christ had sent out. And they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This is why you'll see many, many times Satanists use the lightning bolt as a symbol for their movement. I watched this disgusting expose on Marilyn Manson the other night that I don't even really want to send out. And it was a Christian that did it. It was it was a pastor that was, and he was filming one of his concerts. And I mean, that guy is so wicked and evil and disgusting and so demon-possessed to the toenails that it defies description. I mean, vile, vile, vile. And he's up there and he's got these lightning bolts. He's got his own little flags and they got like lightning bolts on them. And I, I truly believe, he's a follower of Anton LaVey. He is a, Marilyn Manson actually is a high priest in the uh, Satanic Church. Uh, and he shows every bit of it. And he was up there on a on basically like a pulpit, ripping the Bible apart, quoting from it, and then ripping it apart and throwing it out into the crowd. Oh man, you talk about something to get you fired up watching. I, I just we're gonna talk about him a little bit more today as well, Marilyn Manson. I'm not gonna do a study on him, but he relates to some of these CCM Christian contemporary music groups that we'll be talking about. Uh, okay, and I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, I really believe, though, you have to have the faith to believe that, though. Because if you go out there thinking, I'm going to get slaughtered, they're going to kill me, that's not faith. <laughs> that's the opposite of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Remember it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked? That's how you quench all the fiery darts, all the fiery attacks of the wicked one, is through the shield of faith. The bigger your faith, the more, the more darts you can quench. I mean, if your faith is like the size of a dinner plate, there's going to be a whole bunch of darts getting through. I mean, could you imagine going into battle and you had a dinner plate on your arm and that's your shield? It's not exactly the best, you know, shield you could have. You want a big one. I mean, I, I look at it literally. 
you know, you could call me kooky or whatever and say, oh, come on, this is all symbolic. None of it matters. None of it's real. Well, I believe it is real. I believe the word of God is true and real, and I truly believe in this. And, and it's very much emphasized. You just, faith, and if, if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you feel like, well, my faith's so small, well, then pray for more faith, number one, because that's a noble thing to pray for. Um, you know, ask and you shall receive. I believe this is one of those things. But you have to have faith to believe you can get more faith as well. You, you can't just pray and not believe it. Okay? And um, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? Your faith's small. Another thing you can do, listen to the word of God, memorize it, read it, study, meditate upon it. It will build your faith. Guaranteed. So, uh, let's go further. And then the last, Luke ten twelve says, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So in other words, I think the purpose for that is kind of what I said earlier. Don't get all big and puffed up in your mind thinking, oh, these spirits are subject unto me, because really they're subject unto Jesus Christ. They're, they're subject to who you are a representative of, Jesus Christ. If it was just you doing it, then... <laughs> You'd get your clock cleaned. Big time. This is what amazes me. These people that go in like these ghost um, hunter stuff and and all the, oh, we're going to go get the ghosts and we're going to, give me a break. You're working on the same side of Satan as they are. You have no power over them. If you appear, if any of them even appear to triumph, it's just because Satan's wanting to cause more deception. If they wanted to, they, you know, they could ravage those people. Or whatever. And a lot of times those people that do that aren't even there to actually fight them. They're there to try to appease them. Try to get these these disembodied spirits who have who have lost their way to get them to go toward the light. That's a bunch of garbage. They're in hell. If they weren't saved, they went to hell. And what you're seeing are the familiar spirits that are mimicking these supposed people that passed away in whatever horrific way they did, and this is why they, they have to stick around to haunt everything. That's garbage. It's demonic baggage that was left over. It's kind of like when the Bible says the, the, the land cries out because of the sin, particularly like if there's innocent blood that's shed, or if there's babies being sacrificed, or um, homosexuality. The Bible talks about different things that defile the land. Well, it gives these demons a right to basically set up shop on that particular piece of ground, and then what they do is they'll mimic somebody that had supposedly lived there, and everybody's thinking, oh, it's it's dearly departed Aunt Trudy. She just couldn't get it worked out in this life, so she's trying to, to make her way in the next. It's, it's garbage. It's lies. It's a demonic, it's a satanic parlor trick is all it is. They're familiar spirits. <coughs> Excuse me that are familiar with the actions of a person that lived whenever, 50 years, 100,000, whatever. That's all they are. But they're good at what they do. Satan's the master of deception. And um, so, in other words, don't rejoice because the spirits are subject unto you, which would only build pride, which is the last thing you want to have when you're dealing with this. You want to be as a little baby child going to Jesus Christ saying, Lord, I can do nothing apart from you, as the Bible talks about in John 15. 
Jesus said, you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing. You have to abide in the true vine in order to, to call upon his power, in order to engage evil entities. You have to do that. You can't do it in and of yourself. If you think you're going to be Mr. or Mrs. Big and Bad and go out there and... I'm not saying my listeners, but I'm saying a lot of people kind of, I think, get that mentality. People that are fighting the New World Order. And it's all man-centered. It's all... Every bit of it's pretty much man-centered. We'll fight them and we'll do this and we'll do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't speak out against evil whenever we can. But if you think you're going to overcome the coming one world government, which the Bible clearly predicts is going to happen, and you think you're going to overcome it through your own actions, which is how most people that are fighting the New World Order, they're secular, they're not even saved. I mean, I would not want to be in their shoes. How hopeless of a, of a proposition is that? The only way you're going to overcome is through the Lord Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love their lives not unto the death. If you die... Death is a doorway to heaven as a Christian. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus Christ said to do that regarding the end times. So, that's something we should be doing. Pray that you are accounted worthy. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, do this so you can go get slaughtered. I'm saying pray, you know, have things in perspective. And, um... Just stick to the word of God. Third point. Uh, to plead the blood of Jesus over your house, your property, your cars, your family, yourself. Revelation 12.11, I just said this verse. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That Lamb is capitalized. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. How did they overcome the Antichrist? The first thing was the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They weren't afraid to die. They knew they were saved. They, they, that was their testimony. That and I'm sure many of other things they could testify about, what Jesus Christ did in their life. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Primarily, I believe that's the, the, the foundational principle there. And the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not under the death. So that's another thing to bear in mind. Four, pray for the Lord's angels to encamp around about you, your family, your house, your property. But remember, Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So, the fear of the Lord is connected with this angelic principle. So, I pray for the fear of the Lord for my family and myself. If you pray for the fear of the Lord for your family and they're not saved, that many times will be the very thing that will get them saved. Maybe that's how they're going to get saved. Maybe they need a good stiff dose of the fear of the Lord. I mean, if God has to hang them out over hell for an hour in order to get them saved, praise the Lord. It's better to hang them out, hang them out over hell for an hour. I'm not saying that that's standard procedure, but I'm saying he could. There have been people that, that have, you know, had those near-death experiences and they went and they saw hell. I'm not saying every one of them are authentic, but I don't think every one of them are, are false either. I think what you have to do is you have to look at, are those hell experiences, do they line up with the word of God? If there's all kind of crazy stuff that contradicts the word of God, then I don't believe them. Because the, the word of God's my standard. 
But I do believe that there's a certain amount of people that have had heavy-duty, near-death experiences, or they were dead, and they came back to testify, and um, the Lord can use that for His glory big time. Well, that's fear of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, if, if you get a glimpse of hell and all of its unbelievable horrors, you're going to fear God because God's the one, you know, that would determine if you go to heaven or hell. So, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So, pray for fear of the Lord. As a saved believer in Jesus Christ, this is the sixth, fifth point. As a saved believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside us. When petitioning the Lord, use the example of the Lord's prayer by petitioning the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for whatever our prayer requests are. But remember, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, in this case, iniquity would be most likely unconfessed or unrepentant sin. So make sure that you're right with the Lord, especially before going to bed. I mean, because this is a lot of times where people get attacked. This is when they're sleeping. Okay? That's when, if you listen to my teaching I did on my supernatural experiences, that's when I was attacked. And I was in, I got attacked a lot when I was kind of a baby Christian and I was in the Pentecostal church. I think I had open doors there. Just by virtue of being in the in the Pentecostal church, I, I had some open doors that I wasn't aware of. I also had a whole group of people, I really believe, trying to kill me that were witches in the Pentecostal church I was at. I mean, they were putting bones and ashes on the, on the pews between services. They were breaking in. They must, somebody must have had a key. I mean, these people were... They tried to kill me. They did two animal sacrifices outside my window where I was sleeping. I don't know when they did it, but they did them. I found them. <clears throat> so... That wasn't really an open door on my part, that part, but I think just by virtue of me being in that church, I, I was deceived about some things. So, uh, make sure you're right with the Lord, especially before going to bed. Ask the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to guard us through the, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this will be in addition to the other things I've already mentioned regarding prayer. I also give you the link to my teaching entitled The Biblical Keys to Answered Prayer and Overcoming Protection, Meekness, Answer prayer, faith, and fear of the Lord. There's two teachings there. If you want to know about those things, hopefully that will be a blessing to you. Number six, pray. Particularly, the Lord has led me to pray uh, in the Psalms. Now, these are, these are a lot of the ones in Psalms are literally Psalms of protection against your enemies. It's about the only place in the Bible that these types of prayers occur. I mean, a lot of them were David praying for protection against his enemies. And uh, <clears throat> David was a man after God's own heart. These psalms are regarding the Lord dealing with our enemies and for personal protection. Now, I give you my link to imprecatory prayers and God's judgment on wickedness, a Christian's door of hope. Um, now, this isn't like because you want vengeance on your enemies. This, I really believe these prayers aren't really to be so much directed at any, any person, but that they're to be directed at our true enemy, which is Satan, his fallen angels, the demons and devils and evil entities that are in his kingdom, that would come after you. Those are our true enemies. So when you pray this, that's, 
I mean, because remember, we battle not against flesh and blood. So our, our true enemies are these spiritual entities, and that's, I think, the, um, the attitude we need to have when we pray this. You know, you don't want to pray these like, okay, kill this guy. He's really being mean to me. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what you want to do. Okay, so um, bear that in mind. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, one should, How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them. That rock is a capital R-O-C-K, I believe in reference to the rock of Jesus Christ, and the Lord had shut them up. Um, so there's a spiritual tenet there. Uh, we don't want to build a some type of dogmatic doctrine about this one verse, but the spiritual application seems to be that two Christians in unity can accomplish much more than one alone. One put a thousand, two ten thousand, well it's a tenfold increase. Or maybe eightfold, I guess because if you add the two. It's a big increase, in other words. Okay. We should really be praying for each other, and if you have a spouse or prayer partner that seems to amplify the effect greatly. What Satan doesn't want is he doesn't want us in unity praying about given issues, and particularly if we're right with God. And so I know that I've got some listeners who are big-time intercessors. Big-time. Pray for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours over given issues. And I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for them. A big reason why this ministry exists is to keep people like that as well informed so they know to pray about specific issues. If they're totally in the dark about things and they don't even know what's going on, Satan loves that all day long. He keeps them in the dark and there's no prayer going up about a given issue. So I praise the Lord for the intercessors out there that are um, doing this. And that's a calling. It's part of the body of Christ. All members are not the same. All members, yes, we're all called to pray, but some are more called to an intercessory type of of ministry. Um, And I I think that's wonderful. So let's go further here. Uh, We should be praying for each other, and if you have a spouse or prayer partner, that seems to amplify the effect greatly. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Just two or three. So this verse appears to validate the verse I quoted above. In regard to amplification of our efforts where at least two Christians are joined together in unity. Okay, and this isn't like ecumenical unity where like we're just all willing to, <laughs> you know, throw the Bible out the window in order to be unified. Number seven. Stop any and all sexual sins. I give you my teaching on biblical sexual prohibitions. <clears throat> i just read you the excerpt for this. In this teaching, we'll be looking at the subject that is rarely, if ever, preached on in modern-day churches, the sexual prohibitions outlined in Leviticus 18 and 20. This is a very important study, and especially needed by Christians in the day and time we live in. Truly, much of the body of Christ is being destroyed for lack of knowledge, due to not knowing the material covered in this teaching. Unfortunately, there are many things that modern-day Christians are doing, many times unknowingly, that are affecting them adversely in both spiritual and a physical way. 
much of what we get into into this teaching was common knowledge 100 years ago. Was common knowledge 100 years ago, but it has slowly been repressed since then. We will look at the shocking whole definitions of the terms sodomy, fornication, intercourse, and also uh, the New Testament text some use to justify any sexual action regarding the marriage bed. We will also see how biblically these types of sins defile a person in a way that other sins do not. Uh, Some verses, Galatians 5.16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Colossians 3.8, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. These are just things that can obviously hinder your prayers or your walk with the Lord. Titus 3.3, 3, For we ourselves are sometimes foolish, we're sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. James 1.15, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Proverbs 6.14-19 says, uh, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to run into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So again, just some other things that can hinder prayers. The next part that kind of relates to this is uh, my teaching, and I give you the link here to contraception in the Bible. Now, I realize that like these teachings I did on contraception in the Bible and sexual sins are probably really going to make a lot of people mad. Listen, I'm sorry, it wasn't my intention, really wasn't, uh, but I've never seen anybody be able to refute it either. See, the thing is, is my opinion is totally irrelevant. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that. My opinion is totally irrelevant. You know, all that really matters is what is the truth of the matter? What is God's truth regarding a given particular matter? And um, this is what we're looking at in these studies. Now, I'll just read you the excerpt from this. In this teaching, many will be shocked at the way... Now, why am, why am I putting this in here? Well, because this is something that can majorly hinder prayers. This is something where I believe a lot of people are possibly being destroyed for lack of knowledge and blinded. Um, a lot of times people say, I can't get you know, a breakthrough in this area, or I can't... Well, it may be because there's a gigantic sin in your life that you're not even aware of. You don't even know it's a sin. And you're doing it, and Satan wants to keep you blinded to it so that you never break free, and that he keeps you in bondage. Hopefully that's obvious. I mean, that that seems pretty obvious. Well... In this teaching, many will be shocked at the way many birth control methods actually work. From the pill to the patch to IUDs, all, all of these, the pill to the patch to the IUDs, all are potentially abortifactive, according to the companies that make them. I didn't have to go to the Bible to find that out. That's according to the companies that make them. What does that mean? That means that from the pill to the patch to the IUD, Always, 
there is a chance that that egg has been fertilized. And if you believe life begins at conception, and I do, the Bible says, uh, I believe to Jeremiah, says, before I formed thee in the womb, I called thee and ordained thee a prophet. Before God made him in the womb, he called thee and ordained him a prophet. Before. So, there's other verses you could quote as well that would bolster that. So, if life begins at conception, and you're using the pill or the patch or an IUD, I don't think they really have IUDs anymore, I don't know, but they may. Um, you are potentially aborting babies over and over and over again. They may be, you know, uh, the egg and the, the sperm, I mean, it may be very, very small, but if life begins at conception, and I believe the Bible clearly proves it does, you are aborting babies. That is not good. Now, Satan does not want you knowing that. He wants to keep you in total dark about that. So that you keep doing it over and over and over again. And I do believe that you will, you'll, you're bringing curses on yourself. I've never said this before on air, but I truly believe, my mom, when, when now I believe, I know she got saved. Okay, I got confirmation and letter to the Lord, but like with both my parents, and if you want to hear about how my parents got saved, just go to, just key in like either um, passing, key in the word passing, in the search box on contendingfortruth.com, and you'll hear the testimony about my dad and about my mom. I believe my dad literally got saved on his deathbed, and my mom not too far before she died, and they died within a year of one another. When my mom contracted the cancer, that she had. When they opened her up, and they didn't—they thought it was fibroids. When they opened her up, the guy, evidently the the surgeon, they hadn't done the proper um, diagnostics on her prior to actually know what was going on. They—they they, she had a history of fibroids. She had all these problems with her uterus for a long, long, long time. Okay, her cervix, her uterus, the whole nine yards. Okay. Always battling stuff. She had, and she then she'd been she'd been having pain for years over this that I really didn't know about until the end. But when they opened her up, and they were just going to go in there and do, I think they were going to do a hysterectomy. I had tried, I had done everything I could do on a nutritional end to try to, um, but I was going after the wrong thing. I was going after fibroids, and, and which are hard enough. But then when they opened her up, she had a very very nasty aggressive form of cancer. They, the doctor said that everything was just like cemented. I mean, the cancer was just horrifically bad. And it was in her uterus, in that whole area. I mean, and then eventually spread, you know, liver, lungs, brain. That's how it goes. And I did everything in the world I could do once I found out she had cancer. I had her on like 40 different products. Because I had had very good success with cancer cases at one time not so much as of late because I don't even I, I'm not I can't really do that anymore anyway with with um, the ministry I just cannot take on any more new patients but I had her on the most aggressive protocol I ever put anyone on in my life and it didn't make a bit of difference I truly believe you reap what you sow 
And even if you get saved, it doesn't, doesn't like negate that factor. It doesn't negate that concept of you reap what you sow. I'm not saying God doesn't wipe, can't wipe your slate clean, but there's still prices to pay for things you've done in the past. I think about how many abortions occurred in my mom, and she gave money to Planned Parenthood. She had, I know she had an IUD for years. I believe that it stands for inner uterine device. It's basically a little thing they put in the uterus that irritates the lining of the uterus and does not allow implantation of a fertilized egg. See, the uterus has to have the right terrain in order for an egg to be implanted. An IUD irritates the lining of the uterus so that no matter when a woman would conceive, when that egg gets down to the uterus, it can't implant. Because the IUDs inter- interfered with that process. So it's, it's like an abortion. You're aborting the baby. Pills can work the same way. The patch can work the same way. I look at how many potential abortions happen in my mom's womb. I was the only one that made it out alive. She only had one child. She had one baby before me, like a year, and... It was, uh, the, the, I, I think it was a boy, and she carried it almost very far, but um, she had a miscarriage. And so, you know, I was the only one that made it out of that gauntlet alive. Out of all the years my mom and dad were together. That was it. I was the only one. I wonder how many brothers and sisters I had that were aborted from the various modes of birth control she used. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, there's, there's, there's a, you know, there's um, pretty much a chance every month for that to happen. How many of those actually were fertilized eggs? I don't know, but I, I would almost guarantee you there were some. Now, it's a proven fact, I know, that women that get abortions have a much higher risk of, I believe, cervical cancer and these types of things. Well, why would that be? You think it might be because you're literally bringing a physical curse on yourself? Not, I mean, a demonic curse as well? I think that, with, in the end, what ha- happened with my mom after all those years of her doing that, I think she was reaping what she sowed. I'm not saying that that's the only reason, but there was nothing I could do about it. I mean, I tried everything I could try, and it didn't it didn't make a dent. And, and, and then when I was even able to get all those nutrients in her, then she had a stroke, and then she couldn't even swallow the the nutrients I gave her. So it was, it was hopeless. Nothing more I could do. Essentially, I mean, pray, yeah, but it wasn't God's will. Now, I do believe God used that whole thing to humble her so she did get saved. But she was saved through severity. And I really believe in part from reaping what she sowed of all those years that that took place. I mean, is it going to help things? You could say, oh no, that's all wrong. That's a, God bless that. Come on. He's going to bless? When a woman turns her womb into an abortion factory, he, you're going to tell me that he's going to bless that? That just common sense would dictate that that cannot be the case. Well, she wasn't aware. 
my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You can, you can be hurt real bad for lack of knowledge. Somebody gives you a poison glass of orange juice and you drink it and you die, you were just destroyed for lack of knowledge. Sure couldn't help. Now, I've never said that on air before, but I, I really, I believe that that was a factor. And where did the cancer strike? Her uterus. Where was the site of her body that, who knows, could have been dozens Dozens and dozens of, like, my potential brothers and sisters were killed. Her womb. Where did the cancer strike? With an absolute total vengeance. Her womb. Now, I'm saying that about my own mom. So, you can't sit over here and say, I'm judging, and in in I should keep my mouth shut, and, and not, you know, I'm, I'm flat out telling you. That's my, that's what I think. I know one thing, it sure couldn't have helped from a spiritual standpoint, from a not bringing a curse on yourself standpoint. I mean, if God views child sacrifice as like the worst thing that you can pretty much do in the Bible, and you just go do searches in the Bible for when they were sacrificing their children, you want to make God mad? Do that. You, I mean, if you want to bring God's greatest wrath on a society, which is why I shudder for what's coming to America, child sacrifice is the way to make God the angriest. And, and I understand there's a case that can be made for homosexuality and sodomy and all that other stuff that goes along with that. But the child doesn't have a choice in the matter. It's it, uh, Two homosexuals, at least, most of the time, I believe they're consenting. A child doesn't have a choice. He's just murdered right off the bat. So, you know, anyway, that's, uh, I give you my teaching on it. And I know that, that you know, it, it, it's something that not a lot of people know about. And um, I think they need to be educated regarding that. So, let's go further here. Um, I'll just read you the rest of the description. <clears throat> so, from the pill to the patch to IEDs, all are potentially abortifactive, meaning they can cause abortions. Literal, not having an implant, a fertilized egg, not being able to implant into a, into a uterus. You know, that's abortifactive. Uh, Genesis one twenty eight said, and God blessed them, and and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Genesis nine seven, and you be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. See, I just don't see a whole lot of Bible to contradict those verses. You know, regardless of what our opinion is, I don't see a lot of Bible to. Undo those two verses. From the Apostles to 1930, no true Christian group ever sanctioned this practice. And it was a Christian in it was Christian state legislatures across the country that made the trafficking of contraceptives illegal until the Supreme Court intruded in Griswold versus Connecticut, paving the way for Roe versus Wade. 
So in other words, 75 years ago, when I guess now it would be longer, but so 75 years ago, this message would not have been necessary because the topic was not a topic worthy of even debate. So you have to understand, we're in the Laodicean church era. We're in the most deceived church era that the world's ever known since there's been a church, most likely. So we need to make sure that, you know, we've got all our scriptural ducks in a row type of thing. Contraception was considered by Christians as a grievous sin and the fact it was a foregone conclusion that it was not even debated by Christians back then. Did you know the word contraception is not even listed in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary? It's not even listed. Next point. Things that you can do. Fasting. Uh... Jesus Christ said in Matthew seventeen twenty one, this kind, but this kind goeth now does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And I give you many, 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 many links here regarding this. Now I don't think they use KJV in these links, and I'm not saying that every single thing I would totally agree with, but I think for the most part the tenant they've done a lot of studying on fasting and different fasts that you can do. And they give you some good frameworks regarding fasting. Uh, This one, this guy wrote, his name was Bobby, he said, Breaking Demonic Strongholds. He wrote, Not only did the fast enable the eviction of demons, but I started to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. I've been a Christian for less than a year, and I still deal with a lot of bondage due to traumatic past, which included a long list of foster homes. I had endured abuse and was raped at the age of five. Lord, God in heaven, God bless him. The cruelty turned me cold and resentful, causing me to become an abuser myself, which is a very common pattern. This in turn resulted in a broken marriage, drug addiction, alcoholism, and depraved sex life. In search of the answer, I fell into the hands of cults who used brainwashing and hypnotism on me. Man, you talk about some bad news here. Their methods opened the door for demonic activity. A friend prayed with me to break the result of this manifestation and bring me to a knowledge of Christ. Their efforts were unsuccessful. After which fasting was suggested, I was told about the power and potency of prayer that can be obtained during a fast. Not only did the fast enable the eviction of demons, but I started to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. Exciting and wonderful things started to happen after the third day of the fast. God actually used me to help put a marriage back together. Now, I'm not saying fasting is what saves you, okay? But it can be a very, very powerful spiritual tool um, in regard to a lot of different spiritual issues. Uh, then he goes on to say, I could feel the Holy Spirit directing me on what I must do and say. Now I fast regularly to keep my spirit attuned to the Lord. So I give you a whole bunch of links there on fasting. Uh, and I kind of want to get through this last... I know I'm over on my time allotment for a part, but... I don't really want to start the next part with this. This is just a brief excerpt I'm going to read you. And I'm totally shifting gears now. But I wanted to at least mention it this week. It's a The Protect IP Act gives the government power to seize websites on a whim. The Protect IP bill currently stalled in the Senate represents a death blow to internet freedom of speech. It would turn the entire web into a clone of the YouTube model, which routinely censors and deletes material when requested to... 
by governments and corporations and shuts down the channels without recourse. The legislation merely codifies what Homeland Security is already practicing, seizing and shutting down websites without any form of legal proceedings, and in many cases not even without notifying the owner. In an open letter penned by Professor Mark Lemley of Stanford University, David S. Levine of Elon University, and David G. Post of Temple University, warned that the bill would require internet hosting companies and search engines to delist entire websites on the basis of a mere copyright claim by a copyright holder, with no independent or legal process being undertaken. Even linking to a website that a copyright holder claims is in violation of intellectual property laws would be grounds for the feds to seize your domain and impose criminal penalties. The reason I'm saying this is, is that most likely the days of the internet are numbered for free speech. I don't know how long we have as a website available left, so I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up. This is something to pray about, too, that this would get defeated. But I think it's a matter of time before this type of thing. I mean, they've got to have their big brother 1984 Orwellian system. They've got to have that. And in 1984, George Orwell's 1984, there was no alternative media. <laughs> there was whatever big brother wanted to shove down your throat. This is where they're moving us. So, something to pray about. Um, you know, protection over the Alternative sites that are putting out truth, uh, that these evil things, I mean, so that we would have some more time. I really is, is about the only thing I think it's going to ultimately end up giving us. But more time is more potential for people to get their eyes open. So I wanted to mention that. And I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. And we're going to focus back in on the uh, CCM, Christian Contemporary Music. God bless you. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot n-e-t-c-o-m dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.